this morning we're going Irish for a wee minute we're going to sing a song and um, by Robin Mark and that's a, it's, a, it's an old school one but it's a beautiful song it's called let your anchor uh, well, I can't remember what exactly it's called but anyway it's good it's talking about your anchor will your anchor hold that's it will your anchor hold and uh, so let's let's um, we're going to sing that in a minute anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll faster to the rock which cannot move Let's hear it, guys. Let's hear it. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure. That's the boys brigade motto boys brigade sure and steadfast from hebrews 6:19. we have this hope as an anchor for the soul sure and steadfast enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain yo no yo maybe heard about the the three boys uh, in the boys brigade decided to do a good deed for an old grandmother 
And uh, they helped old grandma across the road. And her husband's on the other side watching this. And uh, grandmother's healthy. She's strong. Her eyesight's good. There's no problem. And so granddad said, excuse me, guys. Why did it take three of you, boys' brigade, to help grandmother across the road? They said, well, for the simple reason that grandmother didn't want to cross the road. <laughs> and, um, and that's sometimes how Jesus works. Sometimes he takes us across roads we might not even want to be going, but he knows better. And so the big question I have today is, how come some people, some believers' anchors hold and others blow away when a feather like storm comes? How come these Christians, the Coptic Christians being murdered and the Christians whose churches are burning down, how come, how come their faith is still rock. They're praising Jesus in the midst of that. And you have others that they just lose their anchor just, you know, I love going through Recife now. I never used to because there wasn't much to go through for. But now they've got a giant, giant anchor in the middle of Recife. Huge. Obviously pinched for the dockyard or borrowed for the dockyard. But there's a cracking big anchor just on the left-hand side in the main street as you go through. Fabulous sight. And so um, that's the thing I want to address today, and I don't know if you got my slide there, guys, but I want to, my title today is Rock Steady. Rock Steady, and, and I, I just, I want to address the, this issue of how come some anchors are just rock steady, and others are just drifting about. How come some make it, some don't? And um, I want to take us back to a passage in Ephesians 3, where I think it has some keys for us on how because the deal for us, the intention for us, and Jesus' heart for us is that every one of us finish this race with our anchor rock solid in the rock of ages, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3.14 says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray out of his glorious riches, you may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus Christ and to know this love, not just any kind of love, but a surpassing type a love that surpasses knowledge that you might be filled to the measure and the fullness of God. Four observations. As I've studied the suffering church and the saints of old and people of today, four observations I've noticed about believers with a rock-solid anchor. The very first one is the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. The prayer there was that you be rooted and established in love. You find anybody in a torture situation, find anybody in an earthquake situation, find anybody in a dark poverty situation who's anchor strong, and you'll be shocked at the intensity and the love of Jesus they express. It just flows from them. When I was in Sweden last week, the Lord spoke to me and he said, if my, 
he reminded me of the, the words he said, you know, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will draw men to me. And the rock star Pandora came to see me for two hours counsel and she was asking about all kinds of things, her new album. She's still pulling crowds of 20,000 people. And she wanted to know all kinds of insights and what could she do next. And I said, I only have one piece of advice for you. Stay close to Jesus. Lift up the name of Jesus in your concerts and in your albums. She's I've already done it. And Colin and Pam, you know, as we were praying, uh, worshiping the Lord, said to me, okay, we're in PC world at the moment, Pamela and Colin world, but you're going into DJ world today because Dr. Jesus, I saw him. I saw him carrying you and the boys. And see, when you know that kind of love's at work, Dr. Jesus is carrying them. You can let them go. You don't have to worry. I saw him working on them. You can't get better than Dr. Jesus. It's great. It's great when the Holy Spirit just shows you things. The love of Jesus, it was intense in the car when a young boy picked me up at the airport. He was in trouble in his heart because he said, I've started a filmmaking business and I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle. I need a international company. I need, I need to make a movie for Jesus and make a breakthrough. And I tried to get in touch with this organization and that. I said, and the presence of Jesus in the car was so strong. And I started talking to him about, you know, if Jesus loves you, he's no, he's no, he's no going by you. So meet, come to my hotel at 9.30 Monday morning. I've got a wee surprise for you. And he came and introduced him to the the director of four Nordic nations, four Nordic nations, Norway, Sweden, and I can't mind the other two. And uh, within an hour, he had a contract to go in November with 10 CEOs from those nations and make a movie. He had a contract. I'm saying, guys, he had a contract to go and film the orphans in Tanzania in November. A contract was signed and sealed in an hour. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ. His love, his love knows no limits. If it cares about young boys in Salah and they're no well and, and he's working, he's at work constantly. But that's the first observation I've seen. People have been baptized in the love of Jesus. Everybody knows the love of Jesus. Even the devil knows that Jesus loves, but we're talking about the love that surpasses. And I want to encourage you today, please, please, if you're not there yet, seek his face until you know a love that surpasses, surpasses every worry, every difficulty, every situation. It's not just ordinary love. It's surpassing love. It's love that takes over. And I, I felt it and I walked in here today and it was great, great, just, you know, everywhere you go to know that Jesus is there with you. The love, love is the litmus test. 
And I pray that you will take time. If you're not there yet, then just seek the face of Jesus. Though all worries flee, all anxieties flee. And you know Dr. Jesus is not in carrying you. He's working on you because he wants to get love deeply rooted in you to whereby you know him and you can surpass anything. I mean, I think Peter got a rough deal, but Jesus knew what he was doing. Do you love me, Peter? He was really pressing him to see, are you deeply rooted? You see, when we deal with one another and you deal with people, even the biggest pains, we have no option but to do it in love. When you speak to people, communicate people, Philippians 4, 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness. You know, when somebody talks to you, even this morning or any time, did, did you get the gentleness vibe? Because if you did, you got the Jesus vibe. If you got the harsh vibe, you got the devil's vibe. Because Jesus, even in confronting incredibly rebellious people, it was Lenny talked many, many years ago introduced me to the verse that said it's the, the gentleness or the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Love. The New Living Translation is a beautiful verse, and it says, let everyone see you're considerate. Imagine living that way, that Jesus way of the days of your life, where everybody you met just sensed you were considerate. Quickly move on to the second one. The second one is that when you meet an anchored person, you meet a person that has Jesus' rule. So you have Jesus' love, they have Jesus' rule. There's a lot of amazing books on the market about young people that don't go to church anymore and blah, blah, blah. And, and I like so many of the things it's said, but there's something sticks in my craw. There's something sticks in my craw about it. There's something doesn't sit with me, and I, I think I know what it is. I think so many of the books point to the person being supreme and not Christ. In other words, what can do we do to make this one happy and that one happy and that one happy and that one happy and that one happy? That's making, someone said to me recently, my 18 year old, I'm telling you, she's full of herself. I didn't have the heart to say yeah because when she was two, I watched you making her supreme. I watched you making her supreme. I watched you giving her the impression that she was the most important person in the world, but you went over the top. You didn't slot Jesus in there. And if you had, she would not think the world ran about her anymore. She would know it's all about the supremacy of Christ Jesus. And when you see somebody that's anchored, you get that supremacy vibe. Jesus is preeminent or supreme in their decisions, in their thinkings and plans. Third one is, when you meet somebody who's anchored deep, even in the midst of suffering, the third thing you pick up is Jesus' power. You go, how could this person be so strong? How can they be so strong? And you're just conscious I get this at funerals especially, that a power 
the presence and the power of Jesus has shown up. The power of presence. When I got home from Sweden, there was a presence of Jesus in my house. It doesn't seem to have been there for months. There was a peace in my house. It's not been there for months. Something was different. I couldn't put my finger on it. And I said to my wife, how are you, by the way? She just said, I've moved on. I'm not in that place anymore. I'm not in that dark hole no more. I've moved on. I could see it. She was looking 10 years younger. And all I could think of was Jesus. Jesus. That's what you did. When I met you, that's what you did. Nothing mad, bar you. The guys, I know you might be fed up hearing about it, but I remember the first van I got in, in the dockyard, I just plastered a big purple sign on the back. I love Jesus. It wasn't Jesus is cool or the big man upstairs or none. It was no, just lift his name up, just get in folks' face. Didn't he tweak it or make it cool? Just say it as it is. You know what? I love Jesus. You can love your drugs if you want and love your stuff if you want, but see me now. I've moved on. Moved on. And Jesus is here today. And you, some of you are crying out. You're, you're like, I want to move on. It's just love. Just press in to the love of Jesus. Let Jesus visit you once again. Let him give you. Anyway, I'll move on to the next point because I'm flying through these. Fourth one. The fourth one. The fourth observation of people who are anchored in rock solid steel Christians is Jesus gets the glory. Jesus glory. Now you can be over the top with that one, you know, when somebody sings a beautiful song and you go, That was a beautiful song, Missy's, and she goes and she goes, Oh, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. And you have to be honest and go, well, it wasn't that good, you know. It was good, but no, that good, again. <laughs> and Jesus gets the glory. Jesus gets the glory. And it's incredible. You meet them and, and their house is falling down and there's no water. And they don't know where they're going to cook. You know, the wee grandmother was stood beside and she showed me the tree lying on the ground that landed on her daughter's head and killed her. And showed me her wee bairn that she was now raising. And she showed me the six feet hole, like the whole foundation she had dug with her bare horns and a spade to build a new house. And I said, come on, shoot straight with me. How do you feel? She says, I love it, Jesus. He's so good, eh? What do you mean? Like She says, he saved the bairn. That tree could have killed the bairn. I was like, she, every single opportunity, it was lifting the name of Jesus and giving him glory. And I want to quickly do a wee fun thing now. I want to, I want to know how Jesus made certain ones strong and all you guys are strong. And I want to interview two or three people just very quickly. Uh, Roland, 
and uh, Mavis and Alison. Could you just come up? I'm just going to do a wee mini interview with these guys because up you come, guys. Um, what happened was, you know, many years ago, Alison worked. You, you hear about now God's doing good things in different countries, but it hasn't always been that way. There was a time when it was a dark day when she was working in, in Nigeria. Was it Nigeria? And then Roland and Mavis, how you doing, my man? You know in the base today? Right, no worries. Give it up for these guys. Give a welcome, guys. Hey, I just want to... Okay, you can forgive me for being a bit sentimental and old school today, but the world I grew up in, you got stories every week. You got testimonies. Every single week was testimony time. You know, that's how it was in the penny days. And sometimes you enjoyed it and sometimes you didn't because you were a pain in the butt as a wee kid sometimes. But the truth of the matter is that the book of Revelation says that the devil's defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. And I just love it, how the love of Jesus reaches people on the other side of the world, and we get to enjoy the fruit of that. So we'll start with yourself, Roland. Um, we'll pick up the story when you first came to the UK. It was, was that a tough time? It wasn't easy getting off the ground, getting started? Um, well, I will say I'm surprised um, to see Pastor Jimmy calling me to the stage to be <laughs> asking questions like this. I didn't expect Just the way that, I do it, yeah. mate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the first time I came into UK, that was in 2008, 15th of September 2008. I came in first London Heathrow and then from London Heathrow to Aberdeen. Mavis and I came on the same day. We came to do an MSc program in Robert Gordon University, Aberdeen. It was not funny. It was very difficult for us, you know, having to leave Nigeria, coming from Africa, from a different environment, and then coming into the UK. Everything was totally strange. Even in Aberdeen, it was very cold in Aberdeen, so it was very difficult for us to cope with the weather in Aberdeen. Well, because we were determined to achieve what we came for, um, we were able to do that. You know, Jesus on your side, if you can survive temperatures in Aberdeen, eh? So, but at the start, it wasn't easy. You did took up what jobs you could, McDonald's, things like that. Is that, is that yeah. the case? When I came to, uh, to study, there was nothing on me. I came in to study, and then I had to pay my fees, about £13,000 of fees to pay for the MSc program. So I was studying, and I was working. You know, a student, you're not supposed to work more than 20 hours per day. So I was working with KFC in Aberdeen, and then from KFC in Aberdeen, I went into the care, working, supporting the elderly people and um, people who have dementia, and um, I was also working in the care, and then also doing security job, doing standing on the door, on the pubs, you know, doorman, working day and night, trying to raise money to pay my fees. It was not funny, but at the end of the day, I was able to achieve that. I did my master's, got my degree, and then Today, I find myself in a professional job. It's just the grace of God. It's not by my power. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think your um, working with people of dementia helped you and prepared you for coming to work with Pfeiffer's? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, man. By the way, tell us in your darkest moment, the toughest moments, how Jesus came through and helped you. 
Well, uh, when I was working, I was very determined going to church to worship God and also to serve God. I was very involved in the musical aspect of the church because worshiping in Abadin then. So I was playing the guitar and worshiping God and praying and singing praises to God in the darkest moment, you know, trying to pay, raise money to pay my fees and also doing all this kind of job that I didn't expect to do, you know, because I have to pay my fees and God stepped in to help and to, by the end of the day, I was able to, you know, survive and pay my fees. Yeah. Well, you've done absolutely amazing. Jesus, you know, Mavis, I was going to ask you, um, <clears throat> that's from daddy's side of this, the camp. How is it for you as a mother? You got children, you, you know, was it just as tough or, or how was it for you? Well, that's him. Yeah, I got married to Roland. <laughs> And uh, Roland is quite uh, a tough person. <laughs> so so, so um, I come from a, a very big family. And uh, he said to me, I'm married to you now. So no more daddy, no more mommy. And uh, for me, it was much more difficult, you know, compared to uh, Roland's state, you know, having to adjust to, you know, a very difficult life. And he said to me, Roland was the first person that said to me, in, in this life, don't expect anything from the world. You should give to the world and uh, stop taking. And that gave me strength. And uh, I used to work so much. And I thought we would have a, a year or two marriage before we start having kids. But then I was diagnosed of something I really don't know with my womb, and it was really hard. And I was, we're students, we're both students and young couples, so we had a very tough time uh, being married as well because there were too many problems <laughs> coming, and um, the doctors had written my womb off. And although we had said we won't have kids, but hearing that story alone, <laughs> just. You know, it, it changed everything. I, I was, I used to lie in the altar. I was also quite uh, active as well. I was doing evangelism on the street of uh, Aberdeen with uh, Pastor Mark. I don't know if most people know him. And people wondered how on earth do these people survive? You know, but one thing we did, we always had that third person in our marriage and it was God, no matter how hard it was. And um, I lost babies, you know. <laughs> At the same time, I was at that point where I wanted to just give up. I thought, oh, my dad has everything. <laughs> Why would I just suffer? <laughs> Why would I suffer? You know. And we had very great degrees as um, engineers, and um, I just thought, why should we be doing this? Or oh, he, he, he was my hero. <laughs> he, he kept me going and believing God. There were days I would sleep on, on the altar. And I said to God, you gave me peace. When Roland came my way, you know, because I had a very rich dad, my dad expected I should be married to someone like him. But 
Roland came and I had this piece and I said, God, if this piece is real, just break the doctor's record and put a child in my womb, even if I really don't want it now. In all these circumstances, I still lost three babies. And then Adriel came. And this is why I was going to school. I was doing care jobs as well. I worked really, really hard. I'd, I worked in McDonald's. I worked in the care sector, you know, during all these difficulties. But one piece we had was Jesus. And Adriel came along. Adriel came along, and she, I was told Adriel would not leave. You know, the challenges were just too much, really, really too much. There were too many things to, to, to kind of mention now, but to cap it all up, you know, we, we went through it and uh, here we are today. We survived it. Praise God. Wow, give it up, guys. Give it up. Thank you, Mama. Thank you. Well, I, I thank Jesus because when you see people up playing guitar and singing and you, you think, oh, that guy's got an easy life maybe sometimes. And it's good to get hear people's real stories. And the thing I love is that not only Jesus loves them, but how much does he love us? That he would speak to people in Nigeria, save them and bring them here and we get to enjoy their company and their family and their friendship and their love. Give it up, guys. God bless you. Thank you. Marvelous. And uh, the one thing you didn't tell us you survived is the fact that Aberdeen people can't speak English. So that's the biggest thing that you've uh, survived, to be honest with you. But no, good testimony, good story. Alison, you, you're different. You went to Nigeria to do what? I went to to um, study and do my elective in medicine in my fifth year. And I uh, was in Jos in Vom. Uh, where these guys will know is the northern part of Nigeria. And, mm-hmm. and um, that was an interesting time for me. I was a brand new young Christian. Um, I didn't have a lot of emotional stability or peace. And to head out to the mission field, as anybody will tell you, can be a challenge for anyone. So when I got there, um, I had a bit of a, a, an issue. I, t- I took a drug which gave me some severe side effects for malaria. And I had an episode where, you know, my mind started to work against me. And I began to experience, to be honest, probably hallucinations as a result of that drug. And partly um, the emotional instability was playing on me. So I reached a point very quickly um, where the devil made a big attack on me. And he said, you're worthless, you're useless, just end your life. So um, right there in Nigeria... (laughs) Interesting, I'm sitting next to two Nigerians. (laughs) Um, God saved my life through a young Nigerian boy. Um, A young boy must have been about nine. I loved the Nigerians. They were so full of of Jesus, and you could see inside of them a a joy and a love. And I'd taken some, some paracetamol, actually, to end my life at that stage. And glory to God, all part of his plan. I ran to the mountains and this little boy he said to me you are not worthless I think he was an angel actually he said your life has great value meaning and purpose anyway (laughs) um, Jesus took me through incredibly um, 
You know, I, I just see all of the pain that we go through as part of God's touching you to, to heal others. How can you, as a GP, how could I minister to people who have mental health issues? And they don't know. My patients wouldn't know that story. I don't tell that story often. But will I tell you what? When God has broken your heart and he's used other nations to save you, you're forever grateful. I'm forever grateful to that little Nigerian boy. Some of a love for... <coughs> Um, my favorite kids are Nana and Jojo in the whole world, probably African kids, you know, and God's just so good. I don't know what else to say, Jimmy, I'll pass it on. No, I'm just going to say, how cool is God? He sends, he sends the Scot to Nigeria to get rescued by the love of Jesus, and the Nigeria comes here to rescue ones with the love of Jesus. Kind of cool, guys, eh? Four things. Jesus' love, Jesus' rule, Jesus' power, and Jesus' glory. Let's give it up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, guys. Let's have the band back up, please. Eh? What a beautiful name is. Maybe good to sing that. The band here. <laughs> Didn't expect me to finish that quick, George, did you? Let's stand, guys. And why don't we give it a decent applaud for the Lord Jesus Christ. His love, his love knows no bounds. His love surpasses. His love is big enough. Your problem isn't too big for him. He's coming through for you. You may feel that you're the furthest, furthest, furthest away. Well, you don't get much further away than Nigeria. And I love how God takes you from Nigeria to the wilderness of Aberdeen to prepare you for the glory of the land of the kingdom of Fife. That's God's good. Let's give it up once more for the Lord Jesus Christ, guys. I like, I like, I like, I like doing that. I like doing that. Thanks, guys. <laughs>